Hello and welcome to the podcast, the In Key Podcast with James and Guest. Hi, I'm Guest. No, I'm Dylan Galvin, Dylan like Bob Dylan, Galvin like Calvin and Hobbes with a G. Uh, Google me. I'm there. Google him. And don't just do that, but stick around for the podcast. We're going to be talking about artists versus entertainers and how that's kind of been mixed up. Uh, the lack in modern music, which I, I could talk about that for days. And VR video gaming. All right. So let's talk about uh, the artist versus the entertainer. Because I, I want to start with Michael Jackson. That's the first thing that comes to mind where I'm just like, oh, that's the first artist that I consider equally an entertainer. Would you feel he's 50-50 or like it, at the time that that he was reigning champion of pop that he kind of dominated both of those? Yeah, I totally I think he like it's funny you bring him up. He the first CD I ever owned was Michael Jackson. My my parents for like I don't know my 7th or 8th birthday got me the single the, the 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 CD. It was a single of his song Black or White. And I think he embodies the perfect balance of artist and entertainer, and he absolutely is both. He knows how to work a crowd, he knows how to dance, he knows how to put on a show, but he also has something to say. Yeah, I, I think the song, what, They Don't Care About Us, that's Dude, the first that's thing that comes to mind. Like, exactly artist. the song. Yes, artist right 100%. there. 100%. That's an 100%. artist. Uh, just Beat It might be more Exa- entertaining. Exactly, yeah. Beat, yeah. Yeah. Yep, totally, totally. Uh, and it's funny because it's so popular. That's the most popular guitar solo purely because it was mm. on Thriller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so now let's move forward to yeah. John Mayer. What do you think if we had to give it a percentage? So John, right John Mayer is probably 75, 25. He's, he's mostly artist. And that's why I like him so much because he's not about – you're not going to see him – you know, doing coordinated dances with people in costumes behind him, which is really has nothing to do with art. It's just about putting on a show and an experience, which I get. And and if you go to see him live, you will get an experience. But it's not there isn't a whole lot uh, that he puts in the show that doesn't have to do with the song itself, which I like. It's no right. it's no frills. It's like I'm I'm here to tell you a story. I'm here to chronicle my life through the medium of songwriting and I'm going to do that. And we're going to make it fun and we're and we're going to go on a roller coaster of emotions, but you know, I'm not going to have dancing sharks and fireworks and that kind of thing um because it just wouldn't really, you know, it wouldn't necessarily, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to ask you. So, okay, I come to you. I'm a producer, big mm-hmm. shot producer. I'm like Dylan, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? The people are entertained. I made money. It's the same thing. An artist mm-hmm. makes me money. An entertainer makes me money. I don't care about what, yeah. what works. If there's dancing sharks, then I'm, I'm going <laughs> to put it out there. If it's not, as long as it's a profit, that's an artist, baby. How do you respond to somebody? Well, like I would that? say as, as long as you just um, define your terms properly, uh, don't conflate entertainer with artist or artist with entertainer. Uh, totally understandable. The business, I mean, it's the entertainment business, not necessarily the art business. Business, and, yeah. Right. And it's, business. it's to make money, money and I get that. Um, uh, so I wouldn't really have any objections to that. And their, their goal is to you know make a profit. And in order to get people to pay attention, because we live in an attention-seeking, like the world is saturated with attention seekers. So you have to pull their attention, wrench their head away from something else and get them to look at you. And sometimes, you know, people use dancing sharks to do that. Um, and they won't <laughs> listen to anything you have to say until you're in a dancing shark costume. So... Um, that's just kind of the way things work. However, the, my only issue is not really with entertainment existing. Cause I love entertainment. Sometimes I just, I just want to see a stupid right. movie explosions and car chases and silly, you know, silliness. But 
I, I feel like you know, if you look at the percentage of what is entertainment to what actually has, um, you know, what 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 leans towards art, what is willing to challenge the viewer rather than just pander to them and give them exactly what they want. And I would parallel that exactly with the food industry. Look at look at the things that the food industry has introduced since like the 40s and 50s in the and um, like. Consider like a hundred years ago, everything was organic, right? Everything. There was no such thing as not not organic. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. And, na- yeah. and now you Add go through it. the grocery store, and you basically have to walk the perimeter of the grocery store to find actual food, and everything else is food like product because they know that sells better than food. The entertainment industry is exactly the same. They're they're selling, you know, art like product or music like product. It's not really music. I mean, technically, it's you know, it's noise and it's lyrics and it's instruments, but it's it's music-like product and it's designed to sell. It's not necessarily for the sake of saying something um, from the perspective of the artist. It's more knowing what your audience is and what they want to hear and trying to placate to that with someone who's basically being fabricated to look like they're like this mini savior of that demographic of people. Um, and I, d- and yeah. It's like all, all because it makes money, it doesn't mean you're an artist. Yeah, well. All because it sells, it doesn't mean it's a food. E- e- exactly. Just, just so, so it, it works both ways. So like just because it sells doesn't mean it's not art, but it doesn't automatically, it should not be automatically qualified as art just because a lot of people like it. That's like totally not, uh, uh, the value of a message is not based upon the number of people who accept it. Like if everyone rejects the truth, then everyone's wrong. It doesn't matter if they have a popular consensus about it. So that- Dylan, are we starting a movement right now? This feels like a good <laughs> movement. This feels like a movement. This is the beginning of a, of a very serious like uh, revolution of change and perspective and energy. <laughs> I, I don't want dancing sharks. I want real food. Like I'm, I'm feeling yeah, this right and, now. And that's one challenge with you know when you share the truth with someone, sharing the truth in love, is some, sometimes it's hard because it requires um, sharing something they might not want to hear. They might not want to hear it, but you know, when you listen to songs, what, what is most, what is one of the themes that makes the most money that a lot of artists use? It's singing about your ex, right? What did your ex do wrong? Like everything, Everything. they're they're an idiot. It's all their fault. (laughs) You broke my heart. You dragged me through the mud, uh, you know, heartbreak warfare. Uh, that's a song John Mayer wrote. I mean, he's, he's got lots of songs about exes. Taylor Swift has a lot of song about exes. Adele, Alanis Morissette, like so many people write about their exes. And if you look at what the songs are about, generally speaking, the ex has done something wrong and they're the victim in it. However, I don't think it's necessarily fair because you never get to ask the ex what they did. They're always they're always the poor victim. It's oh poor me, you know. Always the stupid ex. It's rarely is it a song where the person is willing to say like I totally messed this up. It's on me. One thing I really do like about John Mayer though, he does do that, and it, every now and then it comes out in his songwriting. I love he sings it in Gravity, uh, in the Blood. He he really takes an earnest look at himself and he's noticing that there are these problems that seem to follow him wherever he goes and he's willing to share that with other people. And I love that because he doesn't just always go, oh, she was crazy. It's her fault. Oh, she's crazy too. It's her fault. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I feel that completely, but I also could see why someone would jump on that and say like, oh, well, that's what I re- need right now. I got broken up with a week ago, and I've, obviously it's their fault. I need this music on repeat yep. right now, but that, it just sounds like a very common... When do you think that this kind of changed over from people saying, um, this? oh, they're an artist and an uh, entertainer, and, and, and instead, like Michael Jackson, where now it's like, oh, yeah. I'm an artist. No. <laughs> no, you're really not. You're an, you're an entertainer. When do you think that kind of um, started? I I'm curious. I would uh, I would have to go back and like look at analytics and data from like many decades. But I I would guess it probably started in the 80s with the hair metal bands, which was like the beginning of the end. Um, I feel like prior to that, music wasn't necessarily so reliant upon image. And then in the 80s, we got this huge wave of this genre you know and and it's interesting it's kind of paradoxical because in the hair metal bands as a guitar player i'm like dude that's where like the best guitar playing in top 40s radio ever happened it's so true thank you for saying i no one validates me on that point and it's so like why are you listening to this crap i'm like just wait it's that two minutes in that it gets real solos (laughs) like if you play guitar you're like and even i mean basically all the musicians the musicianship in bands in the 80s was was stellar for the most part i mean they were just very refined high-level musicians playing intricate music um you know steve Vai, joe satriani ingve like the 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 great shredders who basically paved the way for everyone else now you know the 80s is where they came from van halen um but i feel like that's that that decade was the first big decade where where record labels kind of said Look, we can totally just make make this crazy performance. Everyone comes out in spandex and hairsprayed hair and in makeup, and we'll put fireworks and you know stripper poles and all these crazy things. Just make it about that, and it doesn't even matter what the song's about. Just write about whatever because the music, the musicianship is great, and if we have a great performance, people will just sing along to whatever stupid lyrics you sing. I was just going to ask you like that too. If if people are yeah. good enough. Does that instantly make them an artist? It's kind of like sometimes I'll listen to an Ariana Grande song and just like, well, this could have been anybody, but I kind of like that her range is crazy and like her tone's great and she's singing. But I don't, I, I forget about it afterwards. Like I was really entertained, but, and I, I don't listen to a lot of mm-hmm. her, so I, can, I can't say that I know all of her work, but I'll say like most of it that I've heard on the radio, it's kind of like, you know, oh, I'm kind of looking at you funny. Who knows? We might hook up. Exactly. Ooh, you know, like, I, you know, like that's 90% of what I understand her lyrics yeah. to be. And I'm more interested in hearing her sing a, a cool line and singing it all like fun and, and having good abilities, you know, vocal. I think she's yeah. very good, but it, not an exactly, artist. That's exactly opinion. what I would say. Is she's, she's phenomenal. I mean, if you look at her as a singer... Live too. Oh yeah, from she's what I've heard. she's ta- she's as like as good as you get. Like she's incredible. I, I mean, most of these people, even that I that I criticize, they're they're phenomenal uh, performers. They're phenomenal singers. There's nothing wrong with their singing. Um, you know, I think they're great. Pretty much every person who's on the top 40s is a great singer. But that's the thing is that that doesn't necessarily make you an artist because singing is just the ability to deliver a message through the medium of song, through the medium of melody, of using yes. your voice. So if you don't have anything to say, it doesn't matter how beautifully you say it. You're not an, you're not an artist. You're a singer. Let's go. Someone, uh, Jamie, what's <laughs> that? Was that the meme, or you know, whoever? Like that is, that's the yeah. point there, and that is so so true. And you know what's funny? I never understood a lot of people that are like, I'm gonna go listen to a band. I'm like, when you, when you want to 
listen to their CD first and figure mm-hmm. out if you like them. No, no, let's let's have the experience of seeing if this person has something to say, the way they see it, discover them and go out and mm-hmm. see them live. And I, I, a lot of my experience growing up with friends that were really into music, like I learned to like that, going out and seeing a new musician uh, that I don't know anything about and just kind of seeing... You know, are they going 100% for the performance or they have something deep to say and can yeah. I relate to that or what, you know, can I try to extend myself to totally. relate to that? So that's what, that really opened up the door for me to enjoy live music yeah. in a different way. Just discovering yeah. new people. Yeah, and that's that's part of the beauty of live music and I think people really got a taste of that during COVID is that there is a there is something irreplaceable about the live performance and it, like it, you can have a wonderful experience, even if a song isn't necessarily a great song, because there's multiple elements. There's the element of the songwriter and the art, and then the the display of that art, the presentation of the art. And and often nowadays, the presentation of the art is better than the art. But when you are a viewer, a spectator in the audience, you can enjoy it in both ways. And yeah, I think that's key too. It's so cool yeah. to one not know things and two not describe things properly oh uh how was that artist you went to see they sucked yeah you know that's it I didn't, you know like, like that's it they just went up there and <laughs> yeah and like right exactly and even if you say their, their voice sucked you know like did they sing off or you didn't like their tone and what were they singing about yeah. you know and i think that it's it's much and you know, if you get too hoity-toity about it, like, yesterday I had quite the experience at the ball, and I learned multiple things. Here's a five-minute dissertation on what I enjoyed. Please don't interrupt. And at the end, give me your own personal five-minute <laughs> increase by two or, or decrease by two minutes review as a response to mine. We'll move on with our <laughs> exactly, day. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you can't be so, you know, crazy about it. But also, you know, we can't always – we should try – to give artists a chance in the sense that we want to understand where they're coming from. Like maybe that person singing was the best, or maybe they didn't play their guitar as well as Mm -hmm. they should have, or maybe they were nervous, uh, but why were Mm -hmm. they up there? You know, and what was it just covers? Was it originals? Like, you know, I think it's lost in the details and it's so much easier to say, ah, they sucked or they're the best. You know, most of the time when people talk about artists that aren't artists, Mm -hmm. that's what I hear. All right, so this is the point that I want to give my guests the microphone and have them promote something great, something they're doing in their life. Dylan, what is that great thing that you're doing right now? All right, so uh, I want to be David throwing rocks at the head of Goliath. So I wrote a song called How to Write a Pop Song, which is a tongue-in-cheek satirical commentary on the mainstream industry. And um, it's a synth-pop satire. It sounds like John Mayer meets George Michael and it's pretty snarky. Uh, it's called How to Write a Pop Song. It's it's streaming everywhere. And uh, I'd love for uh, listeners with a little bit of uh, sarcasm in their blood to go have a listen and enjoy enjoy the lyrics of it. Well, let's get those spins up and then uh, send them a comment on Instagram and give your opinion on how to write a pop song. There's nothing wrong with entertainment per se, just like there's nothing wrong with sugar. Like, there's nothing wrong with cookies. But, like, when you adjust your diet so that you eat cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of your life for 15 (laughs) years, you're going to have some problems. And the idea that you can do that to your body, like, but, but when it comes to music, all of a sudden, oh, you're immune to like, that won't affect you. It's like what you put in your body with, with food, it's going to affect your body. What you put into your mind will affect your soul. And there's, there's no way around it. And if you're only ingesting things without thinking considering what what is what is it that you're actually ingesting it's going to have an effect on you and i think that's that's probably an issue 
you know, it's 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 a double edged sword. It's one, it's the mainstream because that's what they're putting out. But two, it's the fault of the listener who is indiscriminately ingesting whatever comes to them and not caring what it is. It's like, you know, a cookie manufacturer, Pillsbury, shouldn't necessarily you know, be made illegal because people are eating too many cookies and getting, you know, sick from it. It's like, well, don't eat a whole roll of cookie dough every day. And, you know, so I think that's something that, but, but there's no, there's no delineation between what is art and what is entertainment. And so therein lies a problem is that the, the mainstream knows this and they know that they're trying to appeal to the largest number of people possible and in the goal. And you can hear this all the time they say, well, as long as it makes you feel something, that's all you're trying to do is invoke emotion at any cost, say anything, do anything, just invoke emotion. I'm like, that's not a good rule. Like, that's not a good rule. Yeah. That's that's not a good qualifier of should I ingest something because, oh, it makes me feel something. How about it makes you think? Like, do you think that's the part that's lacking in music? The rules that people are saying that's good and that's bad? That's kind of our second subject, and this is kind of rolling perfectly uh-huh. into that. I mean, it's, it's like it's the rules of you know what people are saying is acceptable. It's like, oh yeah, as long as it makes you feel something, then you're good. Did that song make you happy? That's a good song. Exactly. And you're an artist. That, that's that's exact. I think that's. I don't know if that's the only problem, but that's a large part of it. Is the only criteria for whether something's good is does it invoke my emotions, not does it challenge me to change something about myself that's actually not good? Like, let's say I've, I've hurt, like, let's say I do have three or four exes, you know, ex-girlfriends, and I've hurt them all in the exact same way. And then I turn on the radio and I hear a song and it just shines a spotlight on me. And this song is like, you, this is what you did to them and you need to face it, man. And it's from the perspective of someone else who did the same thing. And they're calling you out, like as a, as a loving rebuke, like take men up. Take responsibility for what you did, rather than oh yeah, they're just all crazy. That's why they're that's why they're your exes. They deserve, they deserve it. it. They're crazy. Yeah. It's all their fault. They were it's asking just, poor for it. you. Yeah, You're yeah, a queen. This... You know, just clap. Yeah. Yeah. nothing is ever your fault. You know, that's music is so it's it's so prone to just be pan- pandering to the person who's listening. Pandering, pure. That's it, the word. It yeah. doesn't rebuke. Yeah. It doesn't challenge. Very rarely, if ever, and it rarely, if ever, makes you think. And I think it's we're sorely missing something in our pop culture because we're we're kind of just looking for the feeling, but but nothing else. It's like I'm not I'm not against music making you feel something. That's a good thing. But if the only thing that you concern yourself is does it make you feel something, then it's like well that's like saying like judging a five course meal based on how many hot dogs were in it. It's like th- there's more than hot dogs. <laughs> there's, there's more than sugar. Like there's other things, man. <laughs> I'm going to send this to uh, a YouTube channel that only does hot dogs. Like, this yeah. guy's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. Life is hot dogs. Speaking of, like, something that's uh, taken over life, for a while there, I was really into VR games. Are you tell me you're, you're doing this now? Like, what, what is out there in VR? I remember there's one where it's, like, uh, if you mm-hmm. move, then the rest of the game moves, and you got to shoot certain things uh, to, to get past the level. I think it's Hot Shot okay. or... Red the, shot or that sounds fun. Like I haven't done that. So my dad. Uh, so I'm from Maryland, uh, Southern Maryland people. If you're listening, hello. I love you guys. I miss you guys. Whoop, miss whoop, your family. Whoop, whoop. Um, my dad came out here. I'm in Los Angeles now on the on the West Coast, and he came out for work. And so um, 
we were going to hang out for a few days. Actually, I think he came out to see see us as a family. Uh, he also does love us. He doesn't just come out for work. <laughs> but we, we had a few days to hang out. And um, I was like, oh, dad, you got to do this. I played, I went to this place called Sandbox VR, where you go into these rooms, these big spacious rooms. There's like no furniture or anything. And they put these sensors on your arms and on your feet. And you put on a headset and like a haptic suit, like a vast, like almost like Ready Player One. And they hook you up and they plug you in and it's just you. And they actually give you like a weapon that you're holding a physical thing in your hand. And then they turn on the VR and it like superimposes over top of everything. So it's like you and who your friends and you're in this world and we're in this mansion and like it starts off and there's this like walkie talkies and you're talking to your team and it's like, okay. And then just zombies start sprinting in and you just have to shoot them. And they're just coming in from the ceiling and from the second floor. Holy crap. There's one near me. There's one in Paramus, New Jersey. It's like, here's the thing. With video, I, like video games, the problem with it is that they're so fun, yet you you don't, your, your thumbs are the only thing doing movement. So like, it's not really healthy for your whole body. It's It can be for your mind, like hand-eye coordination. But with VR, there is a point where I was like, dad, I don't know if I can do this because I'm not physically in shape enough to continue to shoot without, like, I might have to <laughs> yes. stop and the zombies just kill us. I can't let the zombies win. I yeah. need to go so, prepare. Dude, I was, like, pouring with sweat. <laughs> like, I feel so bad whoever used it after me. Just, like, disgusting. Wow. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandbox VR and, and I think Deadwood Mansion was the level we played. It is... It's awesome. Oh, it's, like, okay. 50 bucks a person. And the, the game itself lasts, like, half an hour. And by the end of it, you're, like... I need to curl up into the fetal position and just like eat some ice cream. I need to go to Sweet Frog. So you go somewhere for this. You don't have like the headset plugged in at home and walking into walls you, and I mean, that sort of thing. You, or you do so both. Sandbox VR is like a facility. It's like it's like kind of like the right, new right. arcade, I guess. Um, it's the laser dome exactly, of VR. and it it totally looks boring when you get in there. You're like, this is just like empty rooms. It looks like a classroom with no chairs. But then you get the headset on. You're like, dude, this is better than an arcade. Um, and I know they have VR headsets and like the the Oculus and all these other things you can buy and put in your home. But uh, I thought that's what you're talking about. So this is a this is a, I'm glad yeah. there's one near me. I was like, oh shoot, this guy's all the way over in L.A. I'm never gonna find my way to like enjoy this too. There's, they they have these in like. Uh, are you sure we're yeah. not sponsored? No, they have this. It looks like it almost, uh, okay, mainly Texas and California. Yeah. But, hey, there's one in Jersey. And I know you New Yorkers, they like to jump over to Jersey every now and then, either save rent or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, Paramus, there's one. Uh, there's one in Woodbridge. Yep. Uh, so what's, is, so it's, it's got to be like $300, it's, it's, right? It's, it's like 50 bucks a person. So it can be if you got six okay, of your friends. And, and the levels are you can play with just – you can be like just you – in the mission, but you can go, I think a team up to six. And the thing is like, you can run into each other. So you gotta be careful. Like you, you will get a little bit too excited and you kind of forget. And then you run and you're like, ah, no, that's a, that, even though he's your friend in the video game, like that's a real person right there. And you, you will hit him <laughs> in real life and you both fall down. Yes. Um, and you, and you can run into the walls and stuff, but they have like, they let you know, you like the sensors start coming out and they give you a lot of space to run around. So, um, but oh man, it's awesome! It is just like, and oh my god, and it adjusts. The more people you put, like the more people you cram into the level, the harder it gets. The more zombies come. Yeah, oh that's awesome! Incredibly stressful, man. 
<laughs> yes, that's what I'm looking for. Well, okay, so you're a fan also of like the escape rooms? I've done stuff? yes, I do. I love ex- escape rooms. I've never done that either. It's, never got it's a great. To. I mean, it's um, you definitely want to designate like one person as team leader. Um, but if you if yeah, if you can organize your friends pretty quickly and work synergistically but if everyone's trying like i want to be sherlock holmes no i want to be sherlock holmes you be watson like you're just you're all gonna die you're gonna get trapped in the room and the walls <laughs> are gonna close at any end of jones you know um but yeah if you can work together uh with a team it's it's very thrilling yeah nice well, let's bring it the whole way circle since we're getting to the okay. end of this thing what if you could request that the zombies be dancing sharks Oh, then that would, um, I think my headshot ratio would improve even more. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, that was a pretty good conversation. I really appreciate having you, Dylan. It was wonderful to be here, James. That's what I like to hear. And hopefully I hear it again in another few weeks or so. So to everyone listening, bye. Bye.